0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. If you've already heard about the two great companies which support this show, CoinKite and River, skip ahead 70 seconds. If not, permit me that time to tell you why they might be of interest to you. CoinKite offers the products you need to securely store and use your Bitcoin. Recent events have once again shown, for many painfully, why it's so important to get your Bitcoin off exchanges or any other third party and take custody of them yourself. Do not wait to be another victim of their incompetent, fraudulent, or malicious behavior. The whole point of Bitcoin is to eliminate counterparty risk and avail of the unique freedom which that provides. The cold card is a time-tested Bitcoin-only hardware wallet for doing just that. Taking self-custody may seem intimidating at first, but there are many resources available to guide you every step of the way and help you to experience just how empowering and liberating taking back control of your money can be. To get more info about their excellent lineup of products, visit CoinKite.com. River allows you to securely buy Bitcoin, zero fee dollar cost average, and purchase hosted mining rigs. Also, their Lightning service enables developers and companies to integrate Lightning payments into their applications without having to run any Lightning infrastructure themselves. I recommend River because of their dedication to service, stellar team, and custom approach to building a next generation financial services business on Bitcoin. To get started, visit River.com today. There we go. We're live. Tip, uh, thanks. I, first of all, should I be calling you Tip? Is that yes. how you... Yes. Yeah, that's okay. my name. Okay, cool. Tip, um, <laughs> thanks for doing this. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm a massive fan of your work and uh, the most recent, or perhaps not the most recent now, because did you just drop something new like today?
1: No, it's tomorrow. So, oh, tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Then resistance. Yeah. Uh, what was the title of it? The great, resistance. Uh, the great
1: resistance. Yeah. yeah,
0: that was so good. Um, so after that, I was just like, I gotta stop messing around and, and get you on the show for, for a discussion. So thank you.
1: Amazing. No, thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for watching it. And like, I have so much fun making it as well. It's so cool to see people say like, uh, love it, keep doing it and stuff. So it's just like, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's always good to have your work appreciated for sure. Did we, we met at sailors during the last Miami conference, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was the
0: first time I think. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, why don't we start? I mean, I have a, a ton of stuff to ask you about and just talk generally about what you, what you're doing, but I mean, how, to the extent you're willing to share it, what's your background and how did you get into making, uh, you know, Bitcoin rap videos uh, and posting them on on the internet.
1: Yeah. So, um, long story short, is I started off on TikTok, and my background is actually um, was in venture capital. So I started making TikTok videos because I wanted to find um, founders to invest in, and um, I, it started off as a startup TikTok, and then eventually, over time, as I was learning more about Bitcoin, I'm like. I need to share this message right now. This is way more important than what I was doing. And so it evolved from there. But yeah, prior to being orange pilled, I was very much in the traditional finance um, world. I I had a political upbringing as well. So it was very antithesis of of Bitcoin. Um, But my background, I think a lot of people find it interesting to to learn. Um, So my dad was in politics and he was uh, I think he became Deputy Prime Minister of Thailand in the early 2000s. So I learned oh, wow. a lot from kind of seeing that in a work, yeah, uh, yeah the proof of stake system um, of p- the politics was, was so fascinating. Um, there was blatant corruption uh, and everyone could see it. There was, you know, people were protesting it. And it was interesting because my journey into Bitcoin, I really were reflecting on that, it really started at a very young age when I watched my dad try to change the system from within and he couldn't change it. So he left, he took a hiatus, and then he came back and started his his own political party. And I had experience campaigning with him and we went went out all up and down Thailand. Um, We did the work, we tried to educate people, but um, we didn't buy votes. And in a proof of stake system, if you don't buy votes, you don't win. So, So that didn't work. And so from a very young age, I learned that effort did not matter as much as connections and capital And those two things I saw again in the finance industry, that connections and capital were very, very important. So I started off my career as um, an equities analyst and a fund manager investing in public equities for a sovereign wealth fund, and later um, joined uh, a venture capital firm and invested in private equity. And what I saw, again, this was kind of, I've heard about Bitcoin, but I didn't know what problem it was trying to solve Um, But the problem that I was seeing was that everything was centralizing because a large amount of the funds that we were fundraising from came from large institutions and and government fund. um, And they were directly receiving money from the money spigot, essentially. And so those those investors of investors, the LPs, they were the ones kind of making rules on how the capital can be allocated and and what the restrictions were. So it incentivized people to want who want to keep getting access to that capital Virtuous signal a little bit as well and so as a result and i think a lot of people don't realize this or question this enough is that our world is being shaped by capital that's being earned by the masses but allocated by a few people and so the world doesn't actually reflect the views of the masses and so this is kind of the the ah okay i'm I'm starting to understand bitcoin now and and that is one of the reasons why i'm bullish on bitcoin is because the average Joe can now hold their wealth by holding onto their Bitcoin and allocating their hard earned stored energy um, themselves without having to have their pension fund handed over to uh, a fund manager who hands it over to Shilla Coin Valley to take a two and 20 clip and then speculate on mm-hmm. their friend's crypto scam in order to grow their wealth. That's, that's just the, how the world works right now. And so Bitcoin removes all of that. And when I it finally clicked for me um, with Bitcoin, after understanding kind of the self-custody aspect of it, understanding how the world actually worked and and how unfair and the Cantillon effect, um, that was when it was like, wow, I have to to quit my job and focus full-time on Bitcoin because this is the answer I've been looking for my whole life (laughs) in terms of the politics aspect, in terms of the finance aspect. bitcoin is the answer so here i am
0: (laughs) (laughs) like so many of us bitcoin is the answer we've been looking for for our whole life Uh, it's so true uh tip one i got a a bunch of follow-ups but before we go on are you using your airpods for uh uh speakers and for mics it's getting like every now and then it's kind of is it working it's kind of grainy every now and then so i i I didn't know if there was anything uh like kind of distorted every now and Um, then um
1: i am Let me check again, audio. It is headsets, but I do have another mic if you want me to, I can try changing it to another mic. Is it working better now or do I- I
0: mean, it comes comes in (laughs) and out, so I wasn't sure if it was something that would would go away on its own or, I mean, maybe just popping the AirPods in and out would do the trick, but up to you. If you you have another mic, maybe we can give that a whirl.
1: Okay, Uh, testing, is that better? This is another mic.
0: I think it is, yeah.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Perfect. Um, Nice. Yeah, you know, it's such a good point, the one that you made about, you know, how most of the people earn the capital and then a very small group of people allocate it because and and that's and so the world that we see is the world based on and predicated on the values of the people that allocate the capital by and large, right? And so that seems like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't really consider that very deeply. But it's very important because you consider the types of values and principles that drive people to different forms of behavior and so what are the values and principles that motivate and drive the people that want to be at the top of that pyramid or next to the the spigot or in charge and in control of everyone else now even if some of them you know very few people think they're so called evil but you know you have things like uh you know runaway egos or you know big egos or arrogance or hubris and all the, those sorts of Character traits, let's say, and the values that are associated with them tend mm-hmm. to accumulate and concentrate in that, like at the top of the political and financial apparatus. Whereas, you know, I would say less so in the, the broader population, where you know, there's probably a higher representation of humility and understanding and, you know, all of those sorts of traits. And so when you shift the capital to all of you know, to to where those, let's say, more negative traits are concentrated. When they allocate it, that's those traits are going to be represented in how they allocate it, and as you said, that's going to be the world that that capital constructs. And so you get a world that's constructed and imbued with perhaps those lesser aspects of ourselves or less, you know, lesser values, lesser less virtuous sort of motivations for things.
1: And sometimes it's very shallow as well because you tend to uh, put your energy towards like a. A goal that you have and generally these um these roles there are metrics that you're kind of uh restricted by and so if your metric was i want to increase my return so i can raise, raise a larger fund it doesn't get much deeper beyond that of uh let's invest in these companies because they can give us a large return it it there's no question of um, Mm. how is this capital going to affect the world that we're going to build and I remember my first time actually visiting Sand Hill Road and being told you know if you didn't graduate from Stanford or if you didn't work at a fang like a Facebook Google company um, you're unlikely to Get funding as a founder, and if you if your startup didn't get acquired by a fang or get seeded by Sand Hill Road, then you're unlikely to become a GP in Silicon Valley. And I thought, like, man, what a bubble! Like, that, it's such a bubble, and um, not in a sense that you know the whole thing is transitory and it'll pop. Like, I think that too, but it's kind of like these people who are um, you know setting the trend for the world. Um, people are looking up to uh, these very influential capital allocators. Uh, they don't really even know what the problems are in the world mm. to solve. Um, and the the goal really is to have a kind of a dick measuring contest of who can raise the largest fund and and all of that. So, um, like, it's it's dangerous because it's the trend that, you know, I, I was an, a VC in Australia and we were looking up to these Sand Hill Road guys, like, you know, what are they doing? And so, you know, they're in Web3. Oh, what's Web3? Should we even invest in Web3? So everyone has this kind of like, you know, don't think about anything else except for what is that trend um and yeah so it's kind of like now looking out like looking in towards that industry from being on the outside it's very dangerous it's very reckless and while the people are struggling with um, real life problems like inflation or the highest interest rates in their mortgage that they've ever faced in their lives. And our central banks are saying, you know, we're in a recession and don't spend money. These funds are raising billions um, and clipping fees of tens of millions annually for themselves. So whatever paper gains that they're making, um, the normal people, pensioners won't see a dime of it Mm. decades from now. And it's this cantillon effect playing out right before our eyes. And it's kind of like, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, to your point that the bigger picture of the world being shaped through their eyes there is nothing much bigger being shaped through through their eyes except for let's raise a bigger fund how can we keep raising bigger funds and so it's, mm-hmm. it gets dangerous there
0: yeah and i think it ends up just being so extractive you know like the it, it perverts the, you know the whole per, the natural process of investing let's say and of course because it's nestled within the fiat system and and they're kind of understandably taking advantage of the advantages that they have by virtue of their position and their contacts and who they know and their access to capital and all those things and then but because of that because those are the incentives that are driving their incentives that are driving their behavior they i mean they that extractiveness or they exacerbate or they're able to um be far more extractive than they otherwise would and as you say i think this this i mean they're still funding companies that people clearly value. Now, the, the question, like, you know, there is an interesting question, how will our values change in a different system? To what degree does the the system and the culture and all those things which, which manifest within it, how do they inculcate in us a set of values that then they kind of uh, extract from or leech off of, you know, and, and how would they be different in a different system? And I think kind of the emerging culture around Bitcoin is giving us a glimpse into that, which is super cool. But uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they, they've, they've, they seem very... Almost parasitical at this point, point. and to, to your uh, observation about the the bubble or the echo chamber that they're in, and I mean, look at the, I'm sure you saw the the Sequoia messages around the FTX and and SBF stuff, right? And just how they were talking about him and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it really seems like a weird uh, industry, and that it's it's much more about I don't know perception and. You know who got the seal of the stamp of approval from whom and you know there's not it's the virtue signaling yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and and there's not much and you can identify
1: what's that yeah you can you can definitely see it and identify when you like the the whole kind of forbes 30 under 30 or all that whole that whole world of Mm. um who's validating who who and and it's all you know you pay for it you know In, in my next um song that i'm dropping it is about um that world and it's kind of like when money talks you can pay for the show pay for the clout pay for the thrill mm. that's part of the lyrics and it's yeah absolutely you can pay sbf can pay to, for someone to write a headline about him saying he failed to save the world or he failed to do this and, and it's just like of course you can distort reality and perspective if you have money to pay for it um it's just money talks and it's toxic um that's yeah. a real toxicity
0: um, okay, let's go back for one second, because it's, it's super interesting that your dad was a deputy prime minister of Thailand. So are you, are you Thai? Like, ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I am. What was it like, I mean, banging around with him in a, on the political scene in Thailand at a young age?
1: Uh, I was young, so I yeah, <laughs> kind of took hard it hard to for granted. Too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it was, um, it, it was interesting because he was trying to do something very different, um, which was try to be amongst um, the scene and and the people. So there was this kind of big scandal where um, the the clubs were kind of open at all hours and there were underage drinking um, and underage kids and all these things. And so he actually went down himself um, to to see what was going on, because back then politicians didn't get their hands dirty. They just um, yelled out, instructions from the top um there was a lot of bribing the policemen to kind of like and, and the politicians to don't to, to not look um a certain way and so my dad was like no this is my job i'm gonna see what's happening and um so he really tried to crack down on on the underage kids going to to pubs and clubs and so that gained him a lot of favor with with the parents like they were like thank god someone's actually doing something about this um and so I think that also kind of rocked the boat with the existing status quo of like don't say anything don't do anything don't shed a light on this like we just want to keep the, the the business going like the politics is the business mm-hmm. um and so he slowly kind of got pushed out of his political party um and yeah, it was hard because i was actually growing up in new zealand i went to school in new zealand um, so it was three quarters of the year i was in new zealand and a quarter of the year i was in thailand um, and i just kind of when i was in thailand it was a completely different world in new zealand everyone was very much equal um like there was no not a huge boss gap um and in thailand it was very much like you get very very poor people with very very rich people um and so it was It was as a kid you are exposed to so many kind of like that whole spectrum of of what Mm. the world looks like um but yeah being in politics in thailand is very much like being a celebrity in thailand because you have the power like politics is power um and so where where, wherever we went there were cameras there were um, special treatments there were uh, people coming into our lives that um, would disappear if we didn't have the power anymore so as a kid I, I remember people you know coming into my life and and was very much like um, I trusted them I trusted a lot of people and that was how I learned the hard way it was almost uh, learning from shitcoinery of like never trust people because all they want is is the power <laughs> and so mm. um, I just remember learning about that and as I grew up it was kind of like how do I escape from all of this and I thought that investing finance capital um was the way to change the world and not politics because in politics it's just too toxic but then i was wrong as well because fiat is 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 very similar to to fiat Fiat finance is very similar to fiat
0: politics right do you have any particular thoughts like in current day around what's you know going on in thailand politically or with the monarchy or anything like that or are you pretty distant from it at this point
1: I'm pretty distant from it um, because I just don't have any interest in kind of keeping up with the politics side of it. Mm. But I have more interest in um, seeing what's happening with Bitcoin in Thailand, um, just because it's kind of like, well, we know we can't change the old system. Like, why bother? Um, why not try to educate the people from the ground up? And I'm very bullish um, with Bitcoin about Bitcoin in Thailand right now because um, I don't know if you know the history of, of um, Thailand's kind of currency, but um, it went through a currency crisis in the late 90s, mm-hmm. um, which led to that Asian financial crisis. Um, but it's interesting, actually. It's it's kind of like another another lesson of um, central banking manipulation. So the TLDR is, in the early 90s, um, when the US lowered their interest rates to like two percent, um, investors were looking for yields, so At that time, Thailand was growing like 8% year year on year. So there was huge influx of foreign capital, and demand for the Thai baht went up. Um, and so the people in the banks were taking on more risky investments and kind of arbitraging the difference between low interest rates in the US, taking out debt, US-denominated debt, and investing in Thailand. And then when the US started hiking their rates again, that strategy no longer worked. So the capital left Thailand, and so everyone was like, oh. Gosh, like, you know, Thai um, BART is now weakening. How do we pay pay back the US um, dollar denominated debt? So a lot of people defaulted and that kind of causes ripple effect um, of the Asian financial crisis. And then the IMF came in and tried to help with really extortionate loans. And then um, the people, you can Google this, like Thailand uh, IMF 1997, you'll see a big protest of Thai Thai people saying, get out of a country IMF. Like people just did not trust the IMF um, back then as well. Sure. it was just like another example of how central banking manipulation can distort um price signals and 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 screw up everyone but um it's it's that meant that we learned at a very early you know like a couple of like a couple of decades ago not to trust the central banks not to trust uh the western kind of financial system and to actually build a very strong independent financial system And I think a great catalyst this year um, is that the government actually uh, legalized cannabis in Thailand, and it's it's interesting because cannabis and Bitcoin um, do go hand in hand. Uh, There's a lot. It's they're both grassroots movements, and it kind of both give people the power. yeah, power back to the people who can kind of see beyond the the propaganda. And um, so a lot of cannabis dispensaries are now accepting Bitcoin and accepting lightning. Um, And so it's kind of interesting to see how that movement has also accelerated the Bitcoin movement in Thailand. And um, just thinking about how how and when Thailand will adopt Bitcoin, um, it's always been such a huge peer-to-peer cash economy For a very long time now and you know you go to the markets and you pay with cash and um thailand's been very quick to adopt qr codes um such as like prompt pay and line pay so if people don't need to understand the infrastructure of lightning and they know how to use qr codes it's very easy for them to adopt bitcoin and generally you know with everything that's happened politically thai people are very vocal about keeping their freedom they're very distrusting of the government um they've been burnt by the west so in they're experienced and they're very smart and well-positioned to to adopt Bitcoin. So I'm very bullish in that aspect. Um, not so much the monarchy politics aspect, but the people adopting Bitcoin aspect.
0: Right. Yeah, proper thing. It, Thailand's always kind of, or not always, but is it not one of the kind of, at least in, in Asia, one of the hotspots for Bitcoin? Like for a while, it's been, I, I think there's there's been quite a bit of relatively speaking, local use. And there's, you know, I know there's always a lot of foreign Bitcoiners kind of hiding out and living in Thailand as well. What's the, is that accurate?
1: Yeah, I think, um, so Thailand in terms of Southeast Asia is the most developed country. There's 70 million in terms of our population, mostly concentrated in Bangkok. But I think there's a strong uh, group of Bitcoiners up in North in Chiang Mai as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it it's, usually a pretty relaxed country. So um, people go there and and just kind of, um, there's not that much restrictions, unlike, you know, Hong Kong or Singapore, um, Mm. but it's a lot more developed than kind of other neighboring countries. Um, Yeah, so I think Thailand's been a a spot for people to kind of just do peer-to-peer trades and and just, you know, not be um, hounded by authority and stuff. So yeah, good spot. A little little
0: air to breathe. You know, you say the TLDR on the Asian financial crisis and the the bot uh, crisis, let's say. Um, It's just every time I hear it, I still can't believe we still exist in a world where a few people in a boardroom can determine the cost of capital and that can undo the work of millions of people. You know, billions, hundreds of billions of hours of work, whatever it is that went in thinking like, okay, this is the capital landscape. And then a few people mm-hmm. in a boardroom can just be like, it's different now. And so much work can be undone, can be made uneconomical. And, you know, that capital can be therefore destroyed just by the stroke of a pen. And then, you know, as you say, like, it, obviously, that's not only is it a tragedy that that work is is undone or destroyed, but then it, it creates such a, an in instability. You know, that capital has to rapidly go somewhere else to to find a a better home, to find where it is still economical. And just like, you know, water flowing faster through the river, that creates more power, more damage, more turbulence. And it's, I mean, it's a wonder it's held together at all, really, but it's just every It's just, we're going to look back on it. It's going to be so ridiculous that the cost of capital globally was basically determined by like a handful of people rather than, you know, in real time determination based on, you know, all the different, uh, capital held by and preferences of all the different people in, in the market making choices from, you know, moment to moment. And that, and that one unsiloed network, being able to generate a cost of capital in real time. It's like, it's a different universe, basically.
1: Absolutely. Like you can, I, I tweeted out, like you, you can't have, um, you can't ever be free in a world ruled by decree. you like, you can't have mm-hmm. free market um, that requires unmanipulable actions and, and, Price signals, and in a world where you've got state authorized money or A sixteen Z authorized money, every person, every entity um, in that system is vulnerable to the the central planning decisions of of those central powers. Mm-hmm. And there are just you know, like we talked about before, that there's a handful of shot callers and they're the money conjurers who enforces these um, restrictions. And the incentive is that no one wants to step out of line because if you step out of line, you lose your business. But where the real injustice comes in um in these types of like rule by decree system is that you have a select few with the ability to to break the rules and change the rules with very little consequences and we see that with sbf and you see that all the time in politics Um, you i like growing up i i learned that kids with connections don't go to jail like in thailand that's Mm. nepotism It's, it's a modern day caste system and over time um their work and their effort um, becomes increasingly detached from earning value because they can make more money simply by having more stake in the game, so there is this mismatch between earning value through work and then taking value through stake, um, which leads to this kind of like bifurcated society of like on the one hand you've got disenfranchised workers Mm. and the other hand you've got spoiled degenerates um what started off as like a wealth gap if you take that to the extreme you get this kind of like slave master situation it's like no wonder our ancestors got to that point of how can someone be someone else's slave and it's because of the money like in order to profit without doing the work without actually adding a proportionate um, amount of value to society as you're taking from society you are taking energy from someone else because you can't take energy out of that you can't create energy out of thin air um and yeah so that's 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 kind of you kind of extrapolate then you see the inefficiency increasing accountability decreasing all these incentives um become misaligned and that's kind of the inspiration of of the um the great resistance as well, as you saw kind of like the, the stake section of it is um, I wanted to highlight that unfairness of, of the stake system in the world.
0: Yeah. And we'll definitely get into that particular video, but I mean, basically what you're just describing is the social fabric, the economic fabric and every other fabric that there really is falling apart as a result of the, you know, the base layer incentive system and, and how value is, is, you know, accrued and stored and transferred, let's say, breaking down, you know, and we we're living that. Like we live in hopefully something around peak clown world because it's hard to imagine that it gets much more clownish, but who knows. Mm-hmm. Um and so many people are looking for reasons that, or or even worse, you know, pointing the finger at, you know, their supposed enemy and so few are realizing that uh there's a deeper reason at play here that's that's driving everyone apart and that's creating all this unnecessary and unnatural deprivation and inequality wow. and you know i do think that your method of communicating this is uh what's the word it's very i think it's very effective it's very impactful it's very kind of like tuned for the times you know because a lot of people in the world as as brilliant as you know people like safe Dean or sailor or any of the other writers in the space are very few people are just not or not very many people are going to be interested in monetary theory or economics or all this kind of stuff. But when, when you add like the kind of artistic flair and the dramatic flair and you make it relevant to people for those reasons and others, I think that's when, you know, people's interest starts to be peaked and and they start to be able to see it in their own terms. Whereas before it might've been kind of in a, a foreign language to them in effect.
1: Yeah. And I mean, um, I, I guess, I did study this in university and it kind of helped me understand that some of the languages because I feel like if I didn't have any exposure to this in a different way it would be hard for me to understand too like it just depends kind of what your background is what you've been exposed to and it, it reading safety for me is uh I, I love that and there are heaps of people who mm-hmm. love kind of just going to the, oh, the totally, source yeah. the raw um but yeah there there are people who are like I want to be Um, entertained while learning as well. And I can see kind of the, yeah, the value in in that.
0: Well, you also want to be inspired. It's not like education is one thing, but what really gets people to change is inspiration, you know? And that's what I think your stuff does in particular, um, the the most recent piece, because it's so much in the world today is like pointing out how horrible things are. And there's no real like, even if someone is putting forth a solution, it, it's not a very attractive solution. It's just like, you know, all the political solutions on offer, they're basically just saying, we'll make the crazy bad stuff stop. They're not, you know, putting forward a really viable al- alternative. And Bitcoin is that, and we, we're we all beginning to imagine what that can be. And then, of course, in your in your art, you're able to put that forward. You're not only able to point out the problem, but you're able to, you know, explicate why this sol- what this solution might generate, you know, what the attributes that the solution has might be able to, to foment and cultivate in terms of a culture and a life and a you know community and all that kind of stuff. Um, before we dig too far further into that stuff, when when did you have that moment? You know, you said you studied finance and you're working in um, venture capital and stuff. When did you realize like that was bullshit too, basically?
1: Um, well, I remember my kind of i I had an orange pill moment early 2020 um before this my partner has been in bitcoin um since we met and um he said that that was like the best year of his life is 2013 was when he discovered Bitcoin when we first met, um, oh. but it it took <laughs> it, it took me almost a decade to realize what, you know, had the importance of Bitcoin. He's been very patient and he's been slowly wow. orange pulling me along along the way. But, you know, as with every Bitcoin, it's been a journey. So we weren't mm. like initially like, you know, hardcore Bitcoiners. It's like, of course, we were trying to learn what the space was. We tried to learn about other cryptocurrencies and stuff. We got burned and everything. So it's the same kind of process that everyone went through and it took us a while to get here. But um, start of 2020 was when I was, I remember we were driving to his parents' house um, and he said, hey, you should check out Alex Gladstein's video on Reason. And it was um, the human rights video and that angle was a thing that made it all click for me because it was the perspective shift of this is how bitcoin solves problems around the world that i had been i had been exposed to when i was in thailand but then slowly became more and more removed as i was in the venture capital world in the finance world making fiat it was like i had forgotten that part of myself of there's this whole other world where people are struggling and right now it's great for us because we're raising funds, but what about everyone else? And it was kind of like, I felt like, what am I really doing? And it helped me kind of just stop and rethink um, what is my purpose in life? Like, is it to make high net worths richer? Um, Or is it something bigger than that? And remember the six-year-old me who saw her dad in politics, remember all of that. Like, where did my ambition become different. Um, and so it kind of helped me question what is it that I really want to do um, and appreciate the position that I was in. And so when I started understanding Bitcoin, I started um, trying to in- include Bitcoin more in my current line of work. So I was pitching um, you know, investments in Bitcoin companies to my VC firm. Unfortunately, we had a very strict mandate of we can only invest in New Zealand and Australian companies and there weren't that many kind of um, that Bitcoin companies that I was extremely excited about and I so I tried to kind of pull in some sort of loose connection I pitched um, a company called Satoshi energy which was in the Bitcoin mining era uh, space and it was so hard to convince the people in the room to take Bitcoin seriously Mm. I remember writing an investment thesis about um, how lightning network will change the world and the problem was that the the financial system was broken and one of the GPs was like yeah, you're gonna to have to be more specific you know like how how is the financial system broken and like to them it was not broken it was working so well because we were raising billion dollar funds and so it was it was hard to be the only person in that room screaming about bitcoin mm. i remember in the slack chat like people were just sharing articles about how bitcoin's bad for energy um and calling me a, a spruker which is an australian word for scammer and it was just like i it was wow. It was hard to be in that environment, and I was just like if i'm not going to be appreciated here i'm going to leave, and so I just like a couple of months later it was just like yeah i'm sorry guys i'm, I'm leaving and it was hard because I a year before I had just. Um, raised a, a New Zealand fund, and I did that effort kind of. Um, together with another partner and she was away on maternity leave. So it was really my effort to raise this whole fund, um, $16 million fund by myself, came to New Zealand, uh, tried to invest in New Zealand founders. And so it was hard to walk away from all of that um, and walk away from the equity that I had in the business, the potential upside, all of that. I just, it was not worth it for me, It waking up every day feeling that this is not what I want to do with my life. Um, And so it was, yeah, it was a culmination of that. And um, so here I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for you. Um, A lot of people probably find themselves in a similar situation and it takes a lot of uh, courage and clarity on your convictions to make a move like that. And in the face of, you know, giving up so much that you had spent so much of your life working towards, you know, but again, kudos, because I think... I don't want to, uh, I don't mean this to be judgmental, but I think it is important to um, act on what you think your principles and values are, regardless of, of kind of what the sacrifices that need to be made in, in order to do that are. And in, in I think one of the characteristics of Fiat world is that so few people are willing to do that. So many, so, so many people are addicted to the stat, excuse me, the status or the gains or the comfort or the security and all that stuff. And you could say that they're not sufficiently motivated by, you know, a notion of right or wrong or a viable solution or, you know, adherence to certain values or principles. And therefore, they don't do that. And there's, I would say there's that's definitely part of it. But you know, the incentives of the of the fiat system are so can be so gripping depending on where in the system you you're placed, where in the hierarchy you're placed. And those incentives can be so strong that. They, you know, uh they're too most people don't feel like ignoring them. And so, you know, good for you for making that choice. What was the immediate aftermath of that? Well, like, did you know that you were gonna make Bitcoin rap videos or were you just like, all right, I'm I'm gonna and take some time and think about things and then regroup?
1: I was actually making the TikTok videos while I was still at work. Ah. So I had started kind of with the startup videos and then it, it moved towards more Bitcoin and I was already doing that. And, um, Did your colleagues was- see them? They did. Um, some of them thought that it was cool, but some of them was like, How is this related to your work? You know, like right. what are you doing? What are you what are you doing with your time? Um and I was sharing, like, look at how many people are interested. Like this is, you know, helping. And then they're like, So what? And it was just like, Okay, if you're not gonna appreciate it, <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> elsewhere. And so, um, yeah. Fuck
0: you, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, <laughs> fuck you, I'm out. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean like, um to your point before of like you have to give up so much, I actually don't think I was I, I gave up a lot in terms of fiat currency, fiat in the fiat world, but I think the real wealth and the real status and the real reputation is being built in the Bitcoin world. That mm-hmm. world is a like the the fiat Silicon Valley world is a dying world. It ha- is a has been world, and I think that if people are chasing that, they're not going to find that again in that world because. Um, more and more people are being disenfranchised by working in that industry and a lot more people, especially younger people and my generation, they're growing up and they're like, "Uh, I don't really look up to those people anymore. And it's obvious, like you can see all this information on Twitter about how shitty their behavior is, like no one looks up to that anymore. No one wants to be a Silicon Valley GP anymore. Everyone wants to do their own thing and be more creative and be able to be part of a bigger movement and that's what bitcoin is and so it's like i'm not giving up anything actually i'm just moving towards a bigger rocket ship a faster rocket ship a much, a much better rocket ship for everyone um so i i, I feel like it's a selfish de- decision um not a not a selfless one
0: i'm sure you told them when you left that your star will continue to rise and have a nice <laughs> life
1: <laughs> no but no. Of, of course of course i totally yeah. agree
0: um but it, it takes i guess a unique perspective or take some time to see things that way to kind of unplug from the matrix as it were. Um, it's but I totally... the
1: contrarian. It's, it's funny right. because it's like, they're like, we're looking for people to be contrarian. And it's just like, this is the real contrarian. It's <laughs> like, you know, like not you. Yeah. yeah.
0: You're like, Whoa, whoa, not that contrarian. Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. we still want you to stay in the box. Yeah. No, we still it, want I, a
1: 220 contrarian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I, you, you're right. I totally agree. Um, but I think it's, it's also, I, I agree with everything you said about like what the emerging, aspiration like the, the aspirations that are emerging amongst more and more people you know they don't want the, the like the stuffy corporate job anymore they want something that's going to invigorate them that's going to be stimulating that's going to be meaningful and i you know i think there's a kind of a feedback loop here like i think bitcoin is inspiring this and then people are picking it up and then they're contributing to it which is amplifying it and you know this is how this expands out over time but it does seem to be the case that bitcoin seems to represent like and I won't, I won't, you know, nail on this too much because I talk about it all the time, but it does seem that Bitcoin has certain principles kind of imbued within it. And I think that people are starting to notice and see that, like, oh, I, I can actually express and act out what I believe to be right and good, like in my heart of hearts or in my mind, like honesty and integrity and you know, fairness and all these things. This thing is allows me to actually act those things out. And that makes me feel good because I think those things are right and then as you said it's not only that it like allows it but it rewards it and more and more over time so now you know this is the whole idea of incentivizing the best about us rather than incentivizing the worst within us let's say the best within us versus the worst with, with within us and i think that's true and i think it it's awesome that people are starting to recognize that and then you know the question just becomes well what do i how what do i want to do like what how how do i want to contribute how do What do i feel inspired to express or 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 create in this domain and it's it's amazing to see all the different answers to that question that people are are coming up with
1: yeah definitely and it's making me more ambitious as well in terms of i i love creating the the videos and the art but um i've always loved trying new things as well and for me the ambition isn't to be the best content creator the ambition is to um orange pill a a billion people and it's kind of like (laughs) I I can share with you what what, what I'm up to um it's and I want to kind of go beyond just um content creation because I feel like with video and, and and um you know inspiring people and teaching people that's fine but wouldn't it be awesome if we did something that helps orange pill people in a way that's interactive and involves Bitcoin and so um we're working on something right now and I have, have to, to share more. I, I can. I'm um, happy to Go talk more it. about it. Um, okay. So, so we've been thinking my partner and I, um, what other mediums are there um, aside from the current stuff that exists today and what mediums will be supercharged by Bitcoin and how can we orange pill people in a way that's more um, like fun and interactive and empowers the audience to be part of the creation process as well, not just kind of passively consuming. And um, sailor talks a lot about how uh, digital energy will breathe life into cyberspace. Mm. And um, I grew up kind of living in a cyberspace living in online worlds, the first online world that I was exposed to was Neopets. I'm not sure if you remember Neopets or was part of that. But um, we like my partner and I, James, um, we well, he mainly grew up kind of playing multiplayer like gaming worlds mm-hmm. um and so right now we're seeing an increase in um modifications or modding of games and so we thought like lightning can be a mod in an existing game and we thought like what if you know if, if you can earn sets via lightning natively doing real work um in cyberspace it will change the nature of how we live and work and what when you can combine digital real digital money with real people doing um real work in digital world something um magical could happen and so we've been playing around with this idea um as well as me creating the videos this is kind of like a longer term experiment that we've been playing around with um and we were also thinking like if we were to build something from the ground up and and orange pill people can we do it in a way that builds on bitcoins principles as well so for example it has to be accessible for everyone it has Mm. to be digitally native it has to be interoperable and frictionless and it has to enable people to shape their world with sets um i yeah so so um so we found this gaming engine that allows us to spin up a private server uh, which we can self-host and so we can keep our interactions and our data completely local and it spins up this kind of like a remote island where anyone in the world can come by and and come and hang out with us essentially and um it's actually an existing game called rust but we are using it a completely different way um using it as more of a testing ground like an mvp to play around with how sets um, can integrate with with the game and how it can change um, interactions and kind of yeah, change, change how people interact with with each other in a novel way. Um, uh, before I get more into it, do do you want me to explain kind of what the game, kind of a little bit about the game before? Because I feel like um yeah sure we're modding... if, you, if you're
0: up for it, go for it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So so we we were using the game called Rust. It's essentially a survival game. There's no rules. Um, you spawn on an island with other strangers, and the goal is to kind of like. Um, they're probably gonna kill you and take your stuff. It's like a kill or be killed game. And you have to put in the work to create the weapons and the shelter and stuff. It's very primitive. Um, and so it's very much like killing and theft. But there's also another element to the game, which is trading. You can trade um, and you can build vending machines to, to specialize and trade with other players. Um, and so we've been running this kind of like year long experiment with strangers on how to incentivize trade over theft. Um, and I think this is kind of like the, the Bitcoin principles and kind of how we're, we're building towards that. Um, So we've been playing in the server called Rustralia. And this time last year um, in that server, there was basically no trading. Um, Everyone was killing each other. We got killed multiple times. But we set up this shop called Orange Mart. And um, we've just played the game completely differently. We opened up shops. um, We didn't go around killing people. We were kind of going around being friendly and giving people free stuff and, and created like this environment where we're putting up bitcoin art everywhere and funny billboards and stuff like that and we wanted to build this community um and the funny thing is that we never spoke a word so people didn't know who we were and we were pretending to be like npcs basically um and the whole vibe of the server changed like we created this hangout space where instead of like people constantly intensely killing each other um, there was that too but then everyone kind of congregated to hang out and, and trade amongst each other and so this time This year there's so many more vending machines and people preferring to trade over kill um, because it was more productive and so it's kind of like. Okay, where can we take this and how can we actually build something much bigger more ambitious uh, by incorporating bitcoin principles, and so um, we decided to learn how to spin up our own server um, our own private server, so we can keep the data locally and um, we're learning how to mod that server so that um we can integrate sets and help orange pill people by actually playing interactively in this world and and use sets Um, so a couple of ideas that we we were working on is and this is kind of like the the thing that kind of got us more excited is like for example um you can we we can create treasure hunts um and hide sets all around the island and invite people around the world to participate in this kind of like battle royale type scenario where people have to kill each other and find sets and then at the same time <laughs> we can um build a pop-up art gallery where it shows like crypto graffiti's art for example and um his latest collection and get people to earn the sets and then pay pay like um patronage to bitcoin artists but then also right next door we can also have a bitcoin meeting happening at the same time with um Adam back on the stage uh with two people in front of him real life kind of like this real time kind of virtual conference but then another million people from around the world tuning in but at the same time you and I could be doing a podcast in a bungalow on the beach live stream to the audience and someone could send sets to us for me to like you know do something like throw a snowball at your face and so it's very interactive (laughs) and and then all of a sudden someone can knock by the like come by the bungalow and drop by and all of a sudden they're part of the conversation it's very interactive for people to you know for the audience to be part of that world as well if we allowed for it. And we can also pull in the audience and have them go through an escape room like it took me a few hours to spin up an escape room for my partner we has to solve um, Bitcoin clue related clues in order to unlock sets and escape. And if we were to live stream that people could watch it and learn more about Bitcoin and kind of see the usability of sets. Um, whereas it would have taken a lot of money to do in real life and, and a lot of time, um, I could also pay someone to actually do that for me, and that they can go out and take sets and, you know, use that in real life. Um, or we can have, there's kind of so many possibilities that hasn't even been explored yet, um, that is enabled by this this world, because there is this, a, an element of real life serendipity and interaction, uh, but there's also this frictionless kind of like anyone can access because it's a it's a virtual world um like you know the art gallery the conference the meetup the living the working the playing the creating it's all like real effort real time real people real money um facilitated in this digital medium space that doesn't really exist in our world um and the reason we've chosen game and gaming and a gaming engine is it's constantly an evolving medium that will be supercharged with bitcoin Um, it enables like creative new forms of interactions that allows for value to be programmed into it natively that isn't possible in real life or isn't as seamless in real life Um, but it also enables so much more realistic and fun interactions like you and i running into each other um, At a conference um, that isn't possible in kind of like a 2D dimensional two dimensional world on Twitter or whatever. Um, And all of this can be hosted privately where Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have access to our data like this is not the the metaverse, this is some like a place where anyone can host their own server. You can spin it up whenever you want invite whoever you want, you can transact Bitcoin um, without a trace and. I think, like, one, one last thing, like, one thing to clarify is that um, this isn't some kind of, like, Web3 metaverse walled garden fake virtual currency stuff. Like, this is Bitcoin-enabled cyberspace that breaks down the siloed walled garden by allowing us to earn sets everywhere and then take these sets anywhere with us. And there's just so many avenues and possibilities that are now interoperable because you can expend effort in one realm and then take the rewards to spend in another realm. And mm. so these kind of like Facebook, VR or VC backed land platforms that try to sell you digital land and tokens, um, that immediately becomes redundant because Bitcoin is a scarce asset. Nothing else needs to be scarce um, because, you know, it's digital worlds are replicable. Mm. It doesn't need to be scarce. It just needs to function and it just needs to be private and facilitate new types of interactions. So that's kind of like the next thing that we're... Excited about um, to help with orange pilling people, and and more content can be created from that too. Sorry, wow. that's
0: a so, <laughs> Yeah, that was good. So would this involve you guys building this like a game out, and then integrating you know Sats or Lightning functionality? Is that kind of the idea? Would you compete on the environment sort of aspect of things, and what kind of environments and and elements you're able to include?
1: Absolutely. So the awesome thing is that, like, we're not building this as um, from ground up, this already exists, we're not interested in kind of building a whole business out of building the game, it's more, we are wanting to showcase the latest ability, like kind of showcase what sets can do in this world by using a lot of imagination, using the modding functionality, we're not developers. And so um, we might ask for help or whatever. But um, it's kind of We wanted to try out new things in a world that allows for modding um yeah so so i guess it'll be competitive in terms of the environment anyone can spin it up you can spin up your own world and be like come and join um john's world and and, you know it just depends on where people want to hang out um but out of all the existing possible games and all the possible existing gaming engines we found that this one is so basic that it allows us to be more creative um, nothing else out there meets that requirement so that's why we kind of landed on rust specifically and and just kind of building up from there
0: and will you because you know s- certain companies in the space are starting to make it easier to perform that like lightning or sats integration will you be using like a, a breeze a zebedee uh-huh. uh some other service to help marry those two or
1: yeah, that's part of it. Like, right? Let's like, so um, all these products are out there, and some people don't even know they exist or don't know how to use them. It's like, can we pro- create use cases where we are using these these um, services? For example, Lightsats is doing uh, voucher tipping, so I can use that service to um, hide voucher codes all around the island, for example. And then they're like, "Oh, what Lightsats? What's this?" And so it gets them to use Bitcoin products in ways that they never would have used in in their own normal lives. And so it's kind of like, this is such an awesome way to expose Bitcoin products to the wider community. We can facilitate that. There's so many things that we can help facilitate. Also, this can be an e-commerce space. If you're spending a lot of time in a, in a world, why not have a block stream shack where you can go okay. in and, and uh BTC Sessions uh, video is playing about how to uh, do this with block streams, jade, For example, there can be a QR code that takes you straight to buying that product. And there are people in that shack talking to each other like, oh, did you understand what he said? Uh, I don't know. Like, there's this kind of like in real life environment where we can build this constant 24 seven world where we can have. For example, sessions constantly being uh, streamed everywhere, like all these conferences that people can't afford to fly to, like this Afro Bitcoin conference. We can have it being played in in the world where people are there watching it together and then they can go and walk on the beach and, and talk about the conference together and build open source stuff together. There's just this whole world that's unlocked <laughs> that, mm. that that isn't built out yet, but it can be, it will be. Yeah.
0: I Yeah. I mean, I was... Two hours before this call, I was speaking with uh, Gigi, and you know he's been very much uh, talking a lot about uh, lately about the value enabled le- uh, web, as he calls it, and we were just kind of, you know, uh, imagining and blowing our own minds with all the different possibilities of when when you actually when you do that when the web is infused with this value layer when it's made more real when the possibilities are expanded when the incentives are Uh, more motivating or more properly aligned, let's say, like what kind of possibilities emerge. And it's like, we really can't imagine them. Like we we can imagine these relatively simple ones, like in-game purchases and actions and, you know, all all the things you just mentioned. But I think it's going to be so transformative to our so-called digital lives or digital, you know, experiences that, um, you know, we, we can't really we can't imagine too far into the future on this because I, I just think it's such a profound change is this what you're talking about like something a going concern right now or it's you guys are still in planning oh or...
1: we're, we're just in the experimenting stage so we're right. kind of just experimenting with the community itself but also like you said and I'd love to hear some examples of what you and Gigi have been talking about because like I'd, I'd love to see if there's just new and unique ways to use sets practically that can actually, um, yeah. So, what what were some examples that you guys were talking about? <laughs> <I'm curious.
0: laughs> yeah, well, we put me on the put me on the spot. I I mean, literally, literally everything. I mean, you, you can talk about it in, in game. You know, like whether it's because in game commerce, as you mentioned, is massive right now, you know, like people buying skins and buying weapons and all that kind of stuff. And as you say, I mean, to be able to have those transactions be denominated in a currency that you can move from game to game from place to place. I mean, how much more sticky and and compelling does that make the game, you know, and from, from the gaming company's perspective, how much more time, you know, and more engagement does that foster for you? Probably a lot because you've just dramatically increased the value of the game. The same is true for content consumption, content creation, rewarding content creators, you know, in ways that are basically frictionless, not in the ways we currently, uh, you know, like paywalls and all that garbage, like, you know, Mm. basically, you know, the value enabled web, the kind of overarching thesis is that every action can at least have a value component, it doesn't necessarily have to, but the, the, the option you have for that just opens up so many possibilities for exchange and for commerce and for security and for uh, the lack of need for identity and therefore privacy. Um, yeah. I mean, I- the, the, the options are are literally endless. I mean, it's, I think this is going to be you, to your point and to your initial motivation. I think this will be what brings on the billions, you know, not yeah. everyone kind of realizing that they need, you know, they need to. Um, insulate themselves from inflation or getting that, you know, this is the next step in monetary evolution and the fiat system is corrupt and broken. That's like a tiny cohort, but all of this yeah. stuff where people can, can work and play and consume and publish and create all with a value layer or framework or component, which, you know, so value can both accrue to them and they can send value anywhere in the world in whatever way into whomever they want to anonymously. That's like, everyone can see the value in that
1: yeah so i think there'll be an explosion
0: of of companies and services that that take advantage of it
1: i i just remember um when i pulled you aside when we met in real life i was like i wanted to talk to you about something and it was it was about um how human interactions will change with bitcoin and i think bitcoin enables kind of every interaction to be a transaction because there can be value programmed into and attached to every interaction. Um, and what emerges from that is pricing information. Um, I think like once every interaction has a price, the opportunity costs will become clearer and, and more granular. Um, so like granular pricing can allow us to break down the value of components instead of kind of like overpaying for the sum of parts and the real value of each creation can become more apparent as well. But I think um, the the, what i mentioned before yes it's a game but it's not a game i don't think i think that in the future games are real in terms of they are just spaces that accommodates people to work and interact with each other and games facilitate programmable interactions that, for example, if I were to knock in your bungalow, uh, I I walk in that cost me two sets, like all these little things that I'm taking from you, I'm giving back. And so you can't, maybe you can do that in real life and all of that, but it's like a lot more, we will spend more time in the digital world because there are a lot more programmable interactions that gives us value for money for our time. Um, So this is kind of just the beginning of yes we are using a game world to test but how many interactions can we program how many crazy new things can we push the limits of in this digital world because the cost of building is so small that we can be as extremely imaginative as we possibly can and yeah to your point um of your conversation Gigi about kind of like the world is you know you we won't even even be able to imagine because this is kind of like talking about the internet in the 90s we can't imagine Facebook this is kind of like we can't imagine what the virtual real world will look like in the future and how many crazy actions we can take and, and so it's kind of yeah.
0: Yeah. I've lost <laughs> my train of thought, but it's,
1: yeah, yeah. There's just, there's so, there's so much that, that could be done um, in the space and it's what like you, start. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. Finish your, finish your thought.
1: J- just start very simply um, and, and start small, but I think even things like e-commerce will not be e-commerce the, the way that we see it today. It will just be so natural. Um, payments won't even, people won't even be thinking about, money and payments and discrete value, it will just be street, like a, a constant stream of value exchange. Just being in someone's private lounge will be streaming. It's just, I think that the way we think about value will just change so much. People won't think about paying or credit card or dollars. They'll think about time. If I spend time in this space, uh, how much value am I streaming to them? And it's it will change the way that we think about how we interact with, I feel like I'm going back around circles, but it's, it's, it's just so it's, it's life-changing. It's the whole kind of the cyber, the digital energy in the cyber world. It's going to become so much more than just, yeah. Transactions. What we
0: know as, as money today and how money has been traditionally used and, and totally agree. And on that point, you know, about how I think, whether it's because prices will be so much more precise, um, or available or, or what have you, that's probably part of it, but I I suspect there'll be many other reasons for what you just said, which is people will people's notions of value and how they ascribe value and how they accrue value and how they understand value and how they even generate value, i.e. like, what are the, the things that you hold as highest, you know, values or most fundamental principles that then, when you act on in the world, they're represented as market value. That's kind of, you know, how things work. Right. And so if we're saying that people's ideas of value are going to change in this environment where value can be more clearly beheld and more easily transferred and more specifically, you know, delegated or sent or something like that, I do think it'll like that will, uh, you know, transject back into us and be like, well, What is it? As you said, people may not be thinking about money as much. They might be thinking about time, and then that begs the question: Well, how much time should I give to this thing? Well, what am? How much value am I getting out of this thing? And what are you know? And this it is that that kind of constant feedback loop of people. This this landscape, I think, helping people determine what really is most valuable to them. You know, and and it's just that 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 flywheel or that that feedback cycle that ultimately hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a bit idealistic here, but gets people to really dig down on, on what is most valuable. And if you have any kind of, uh, and this is where I, perhaps I'm going out on a bit of a limb, but I think if you, if you have any sort of faith in the goodness of, of people or humanity, you know perhaps the, the majority goodness than badness, let's say. I think if we're engaging in a process that's helping us refine ourselves and discover ourselves and determine what's most valuable about us, then we should ultimately end up in a kind of situation or position, which we alluded to before, which is what happened to you. You know, you kind of made that determination. Like I don't want to participate in this work or in this company or or in this system. That's kind of um, calling on the lesser aspects of myself. I want to, I want to engage in work that I'm able to express the higher values about myself, what I think is most important, what I think is most fundamental, what I think is most good, and if if we're saying that this system is going to allow people to 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 get greater clarity on that, then again, I mean, how much of a boon for you know individuals and collectively as humanity is that going to be if we're more able? We have both the time and the the capability and the resources and the data and the inclination to determine what is most valuable about ourselves and what is most valuable that we can contribute to the world. Like, it's hard to imagine that that doesn't um, manifest like pretty, pretty sweet outcomes, you know, pretty good outcomes.
1: I I think that um, that's, that will happen to a certain segment of people and and it doesn't necessarily need to happen to everyone at the same time. Um, When we start living in a world like that and there are few people who start to recognize that and go out and build their own things and and kind of live in that world, what will happen is that it becomes um, extremely competitive because we are building, for example, building open source, um, lower margins, uh, allowing people, creators to reap more gains as opposed to having it siphoned off to the leeches that is a valid that's a that's an attractive user experience and value propositions for the creators and for the people consuming um whatever product or goods and services so like yes there's the 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 aspect of i i want to do good for the world but then there's also the aspect of once you do good for the world you're attracting more people because it becomes a a space where you are able to just build without extracting too much value people go where value is Mm. and so the the existing models that you know that the fiat world model it becomes less competitive because you know platforms for example that are required to fundraise and and have high returns that go to off to the leeches that becomes less sustainable so it's like um we are going to win not just because everyone realizes that they have to do good and be good and being good is good but we're going to win because being good is a much more attractive and much more sustainable and much more viable business model um, Compared to the existing world that um, siphons the 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 value between the the content creator and content consumers, like what we are removing that, and so when the world realizes that, they just they don't have to think about I'm now going to be good or make that decision. It's not a conscious decision. It's just totally. like ah, oh, I'm just going to do that because it makes sense. So I think that's how that's that is the way that we're progressing. And you're not kind of like you know wishful thinking. It's happening because it's a viable thing to do.
0: Yeah, I think it will be unconscious or subconscious for a lot of people because, I mean, they're just going to be responding to those incentives, as you say, and, and yeah. what's amazing here is that we're getting alignment between the incentive and what you might call good or virtuous or something like yeah. that. And, you know, that's amazing because we've never had that situation before. And in, in fact, in many cases, it might have been opposite. So, you know, the fact that those things can be aligned, I agree, most people won't even know it's happening, you know, uh, and but they'll still be participating in it. Um, you know, you 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 made a comment a few minutes ago, where because of all of this, um, because of how much more appealing the value enabled worlds and, and capacity to interact will be, people will probably spend more and more time in those environments, and they're likely to be digital, because the possibilities in those environments are infinite effectively. Um, what do you make of, or, you know, kind of what's your opinion or your outlook on us, you know, continuing the existing trend, of course, but if, if you're right, it's going to accelerate the trend of us spending more of our lives and more of our attention, more of our awareness in digital landscapes rather than, you know, in meat space. Do you have any particular Thought or concern or excitement about that?
1: I think um, if we look at what we're doing today, how many hours a day do you spend on Twitter already? Um, And how kind of like isolated and one way and and kind of sometimes almost just boring that is. And I I feel like um, people crave interacting with people. and, and especially for example, with Bitcoiners, we're not all physically together. There's lots of Bitcoiners all around the world that we wanna hang out with. Um, but, you know, once in a blue moon, we go into a conference and and meet up with each other. There is a space that's being built that allows us all to be together anytime we want 24 seven. And that's why it's kind of like that world isn't a game. It can be, for example, a company, imagine, um, the swan company running in whole island where they're just working and constantly living and being productive in that space um, it allows us to build these relationships and work together and and riff off ideas and you and Gigi don't have to organize a zoom call you can just like pop by and see if he's here or if he's away and you know just there's more serendipitous moments that happens like you're living next door in a same neighborhood the citadel of bitcoin I think is going to be you know pockets in real life the physical pockets but also interconnected through the digital world um because there's just less barrier and I, I think there is definitely space for both. There's, there's the upside of real life of, you know, physically being present with your family and friends and kids, but that's your pocket, you know, like that's your life. But then there's also this other world that you can interact with all these other sorts of people around the world who, you know, it, it's just going to expand the human connection so much more, um, more than just two-dimensional interactions on Twitter. Like, I, I mm. think there's a gap for that. There's a room for that to be to be met.
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. You know, I think if you just look at the trajectory of digital technologies, let's say, starting with the, let's just start with the TV, you know, the, the screen is coming closer and closer to your face and the time is getting more and more. And so you, it's not difficult to imagine that at some point in in the future, especially with the type of, you know, opportunities that you just are described. Uh, there's going to be a hell of a motivation for that you know that screen basically to be integrated and to us to spend a lot more time in that world and the the you know the degree of it'll be very compelling as you said because all those serendipitous activities and all those uh enriching value uh enabled activities and all the things that we already said that we can't really imagine you know like ready player one type of stuff like it when when that's available how compelling will the natural meat space world be? And, you know, it seems like a pretty safe bet that we're, you know, we're going to continue moving into digitally oriented or digitally experienced landscapes. And, you know, that seems almost inevitable, but I wonder, yeah. you know, it's
1: also like wonder... there's so many um at like, I think with ready, ready player one that is like one world built by one guy and it's almost like metaverse uh, Mark Zuckerberg type world which I'm right. not excited about yeah. I'm excited about um, the internet being interoperable now through sets because anyone can join any world and it's all the, the same kind of you know the internet is now one world it's kind of like the, the silos of each different things are, are falling down and we're all connected um, and that's why we're kind of thinking hard about well, which where do we want to start? And the reason we started off with this game in particular is it's because we can host our own server. So this is what I meant by how can we build from Bitcoin principles? Bitcoin mm. principles is decentralized, like you know, we we can own our data, we can self custody. So in this world, we can self custody that whole world. All of our interactions, for example, if you and I were to talk in that world, it's located in my hard drive in my own server that no one can spy on and, and listen to. And if the game is if the game kicked me out of using that game i can still access it because it's mine it's hosted on my server so that's what i meant by like bitcoin principles of um can we see i want to see more of that more more of building from um the ground up and and interestingly this game it's a proof of work game where um you can't just magically create stuff you actually have to go and like mine and and and, um you know chop wood to create an and then. To create like a house and all that stuff. So it takes time to build up things. And that's why you can actually pay people to do that. Um, So it it integrates multiple Bitcoin principles in there as well. And so, given that there's going to be so many options and and, and the internet's all going to be connected, where do we start? Well, let's start from a game that reflects Bitcoin principles.
0: I love it. I, I think that's awesome. And I totally agree. And, you know, as, the, what I was kind of getting at with the question is like, should we be concerned? And, it, you know, my allusion to Ready Player One was not, it was just that the appeal of the digital world, not, of course, I, I totally disagree with the the siloing of it. And I think the interoperability that Bitcoin permits is absolute necessity, but that's going to make it even more compelling. And so, yeah. you know, like my, my initial thought is, and many people have thought this, of course, already. know how concerned should we be if you know that more and more of our life is lived digitally and what does that mean for our meat space world but if we're if we're operating on this notion that one of bitcoin's um, impacts or attributes or effects is that it tends to allow us to clarify in our own mind what we deem to be valuable no matter what environment or landscape we're assessing or it's taking place in I think it's probably, you know, just as it has everywhere, it's probably just going to amplify those things about our meat space lives that are valuable and it'll Mm. help us identify them and it'll help us lean into them and it'll help us fund them and get the most out of them and all that kind of stuff. So even though we, you know, that trend of moving into digital landscapes with our time and attention is probably inevitable. um, Yeah. I think this, this, that integration with Bitcoin and the use of Bitcoin more broadly, and I think you could see this with Bitcoiners—you know, uh, the, the early cohort of Bitcoiners, the hardcores—right now is that it's helping them refocus or identify those things that are most valuable in their meat space life, and of course, they're giving them more time, attention, resources, um, to enjoy them more or to to access them more to to make them more abundant. And so, I guess I started off the question with a little bit of uh you know, somewhat trepidation, I guess, thinking about the future. But if I look at how Bitcoin ha- kind of treats the environments that it helps to mediate, I would have to conclude that it's just going to allow us to find more value everywhere, the things that are of greatest value yeah. everywhere. And then, of course, permit us the the tools to amplify them and create more of them, I guess.
1: And it gives us options, like where we can opt into any of these things. We can opt out of this world. We can opt into these worlds. It's more just, it's enabling us to do so much more and give us more optionality with our lives. So it's, you know, no one's forced to now be enslaved in the digital world. It's more like, hey, if you, you know, instead of going to an office cubicle or whatever, you can jump into this world where you can meet and and work with the people you actually want to work with and, and do the things that, all these random things that you can never do in real life. But that doesn't stop you from living out your normal life of, you know, um, being in present and, and physically present in, in the world. And what this might be kind of like a controversial thing as well, but it's kind of like um, I, I'm seeing more. You know, the next generation is growing up online, and they're, they're spending a lot of time online. And it would be cool, like when I have kids um, to be able to hang out with them in that space too. Like I would love to hang out with my kids in, in real life too, but it's kind of like when you go into these worlds and I can get a snowball gun and chase my partner around and shoot snowball at him, it's actually so much fun. And it's like, <laughs> we're sitting there like giggling like with like kids. And I'm like, I want my ch- like to play with my ch- children and I want to play with people. I don't want to you know just work or just, you know, interact with people and, and just talk to them. I, I think, The best of us all these positive characteristics can be unleashed in ways that isn't physically constrained like what if i'm 80 and i can't go around run around and and play Mm. with my kids anymore or my grandkids like this world gives me the ability to be a kid and and to unlock things that um real world doesn't anymore so it's kind of like it's giving people more joy without the restriction and that's an option that I'm looking forward to having, not necessarily forcing everyone to 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 do that, but I just see the positive side of that more than the, the negative side.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the only, I guess, this is not a rebuttal, but just a, a thought in response is the economic incentive, the so-called economic incentives, the SATs incentives to operating and engaging in the world where they flow so much more easily and so much more abundantly and with so much less friction will generate a a, a strong incentive of its own especially relative to the domain where that's not the case I.E meat space now it could be you know in the future I'm sure it'll be a lot easier to transact in Bitcoin and meat space as well but it'll never be able to compete with the the the, the na- digitally native environment let's say so there will be a a Uh, you know, there'll be a strong incentive to not miss out. Like if you want to compete or if you want to, if it's, uh, you know, something to do with your career or something, or, or even just, you know, if you've to maximize your, your earnings, let's say, maybe it's an environment that you end up choosing to opt into for that reason. But of course I agree. It's, it's still a choice. And I think there'll be ample benefits to be derived in both environments. You know, like, I don't think, well, no, we, we both know that Bitcoin's, uh, benefits won't be exclusive to digital realms, even though it's a, you yeah. know, digitally native technology.
1: Yeah. I can also mention like, um, if you're creating content and you kind of see this in Twitch where people go around live streaming, like walking around the streets of Tokyo or whatever, um, the audience can participate by, for example, if you show the audience a QR code, a Bitcoin QR code, and say, hey, can you buy my lunch? And anyone can actually send that and, and buy you your lunch. Yeah. Um, like that, that's awesome, real life, but also virtual interaction kind of like a, a mix. But then in the virtual world, like being able to be to to bring people not just to, you know, watch passively, but actually be part of that world. Um, the audience will be like, oh yeah, I would rather instead of spending spending my time watching Twitch in the sky walking around in Tokyo, I'd rather be in this virtual world where I can actually interact with him and kind of like be almost like a a different type of experience. And I think from an audience point of view, where do I want to spend my time? Do I want to spend my time passively consuming content or do I want to spend my time actively participating in something? And there's going to be room for both, but I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking like um, more and more people are going to find interacting with people more addictive and and find less pleasure out of just simply watching someone live their life, they want to be part of that too, they want to be part of that live stream where they are um, part of the character in that world, and so it's like, um, I think the, the there will be more of a shift towards being able to participate and that will lead to more attention, more eyes, more sponsorships, more ad, whatever, into that world. And that will be the thing that pushes them um, away from the physical space um, towards the virtual space. Um, yeah. That, was, that That's, was just like
0: a, a thought. I think the value enabled web will also, because the web is a dark place now, right? There's spam bots and there's all sorts of freaks and weirdos and all sorts of stuff you wouldn't want to encounter nor want nor have your children encounter. But I think the, the the value-enabled web will do a lot to clean a lot of that up. And perhaps for that very reason, people will be more comfortable interacting rather than just observing. Because right now, you know, yeah. not that you, you'll you have different opportunities, of course, you know, as the technology develops. But as you say, a lot of people are just consumers of content. They're just kind of filling up their brain with stuff and they don't don't interact. And there's multiple reasons for that. But I suspect one of them is that the Internet is seemingly kind of a chaotic and dark place because it's kind of a lawless environment. And mm-hmm. I think you know the value-enabled web brings a type of law to it, right? It's an economic law. It's a, a cost-based law. It's not an, a you know authority, not by decree, right? But it's just that if you want, the, the, you you'll end up having a landscape that is erected and predicated on cost and on each action actually requiring a value judgment. And I think that will will bring more judgment, bring more value to that landscape, and a lot of the the stuff that's able to exist because there's no cost for pushing it out into the world. And there's no penalty for pushing it out in the world will recede pretty dramatically probably.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's very exciting. You know one Maybe last point on this topic, but um, AR has been something that, you know, VCs have been talking about for ages and everyone's been like, you know, somewhat excited about, but it's never really taken off, but you, it's easy to imagine like all the fun you could have also with, ar in a in a sats denominated environment right like just because that's and that's kind of bridging bridging the gap between meat space and the digital realms digital realms and you know with the the fun factor and the frictionless factor and the efficiency factor of sats you know it's just uh yeah it's it's i can't wait till somebody you know kind of cracks that nut and we start playing around with it because the stupid (laughs) example that's popping in my head right now but like wouldn't it be fun if you could just like pay your uh you know a a bill at whatever the shop that you were at but when the bill is presented you know and you have the right you know technology on it's presented as like a monster that you get to shoot or something and that's the payment you know you just pay 10 bucks for your sub for your sandwich but you've you have the setting on that like all your invoices are monsters and you get to walk around as a cowboy and shoot them with a a gun that's just firing sat you know, payments to the person. I know it's r- ridiculous, but it's just like you know, the-
1: chaotic. <laughs> yeah, Imagine like that- you're walking down the street and this guy's like, you like just like, go crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's going to take some, awesome. it, there's going to be a feeling out process with all this, of course. Like we'll, we'll probably get it wrong initially and then we'll yeah. refine it and get it, get it righter over time. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be, it's uh, going to be exciting. Um, yeah, all right. So nice. back to the, uh, the rap stuff for a second and we'll close it out soon. But uh, like, what's, what's your process, you know? Cause it's like, do you just sit down and, you know, scribble down the wrap or like, t- tell me about how you put these videos together.
1: So um, I spent a lot of time just kind of figuring out what the message I, I want to go out there, because I feel like um, the message is the most important part. Cause that's going to be the thing that sticks with the people. What, what is the, like, people need to take more responsibility when they put messages out there. And I feel like there's a lot of um, things being created that just doesn't um, focus enough on what do you want people to learn? What is the takeaway? what What is the thing that um, people should be thinking about right now? And so I think about that first, and then I dive into the research of like, okay, how can I expand that? How can I explain it better? So for example, with um, the time chain song, um, Bitcoin is time, um, heavily inspired by Gigi's writing but then kind of like connecting it with all these other kind of aspects of of time Um, so do a lot of research into that and and write out the key points um, and storyboarding it Um, I think another important part of the process is storyboarding because it you can write a song and have it not make sense you can write a song and have not have it not linked together but for me I, I want the song to make sense in order so it's like if you're listening to the first verse then it leads to the second verse then at least the third verse you would notice a theme in all of my songs is that it's a story um, and it usually starts off with a problem or or a, a challenge or you know um kind of what 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 is it that's wrong and then at the end I always try to give people hope and and spread the message of Bitcoin so it's almost like pulling in people um, who doesn't necessarily think it, that it's about Bitcoin and then and then telling a story and explaining how it's how how the solution is Bitcoin. Um, so I do that with all of my videos, um, the energy video, or even this next video. And so um, storyboarding it so that it makes sense um, and kind of just there's a lot of rewriting in there as well. Um, but for me, I always think I am taking someone's time in their day to watch this I need to respect their time and that's why I like to keep my videos short um not so much a high time preference thing but it's like people are busy like you know and you want to be as dense and and as um succinct as possible and so that takes a lot of refining it might take you two minutes to watch but it takes me um 100 hours to to do probably not that much but but, you know like it's just kind of like if I do the work for them people can appreciate it more so I spent a lot of time refining 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 and um, making sure that you know each sentence um, has a meaning Um, and and the reason I chose rap is because I like to write poetry Um, I've been writing poetry since I was younger I didn't think that it would eventuate to anything but it kind of helped Help me think more about like storytelling and how to be creative in my messages. And I think people appreciate songs, they appreciate that the words rhyme, they appreciate the rhythm, they appreciate all these things. So it's like, it's special because it's a package. It, every Like the rhythm, the music, the video, the words, everything has to go together so that it's satisfying to watch. And so you're kind of thinking about all of that at the same time. Um, But the research comes first, then the refining of the writing, and then the the video, the imagery. And I usually rely a lot on the imagery if I can't say something in the lyrics. So supplementing um, the imagery with the lyrics. And um, music really helps me. I'm not a musician, um, but I appreciate it. I appreciate the pace, the the differences in pace. Um, I appreciate using different parts of the music to highlight different things. And and kind of like when you're telling a story, there has to be ups and downs so that people don't get bored. And so it's kind of like using music as a guide for how the story is told as a constraint and and as a way to be creative about how the story is told. And then after all of that, um, the voiceover. So I'm learning how to use AI with the voices, um, using AI to generate the art so that it's not, yeah, I'm always kind of trying to leverage technology as much as possible so i'm not relying on too many people or too many things because I like to kind of. I I feel like I would be a little bit hard to work with because i'm a bit of a perfectionist as well so i'm like it's not right <laughs> and so like I feel like if I asked someone to collaborate with me I might be quite hard. Um, so I try to do as much on my own as possible and then yeah overall just kind of like editing it all together, editing, editing, um, running it by um, my partner as well. He helps me a lot in terms of like, does this message make sense? Um, and yeah, so that that's kind of the overall process and then i hide like little easter eggs in there like the block height or little hidden messages and stuff so that if people go back and look at it it'll be fun for them i don't know i just try to make it fun
0: (laughs) well again you do an amazing job and every time i listen to them like my reaction i mean i usually get goosebumps and then my my reaction is like this is so fucking fire i love it um (laughs) but the the great resistance was obviously a bit of a i don't know different undertaking right it was kind of longer form and and not as rappy perhaps um, and I notice your use of uh AI generated art and stuff I mean that that in itself is so fascinating to see all the different AI generators pop up be they uh images or text or even video now and to see I had fractal encrypt on the show a little while back and he um, just published the time chain codex which I don't know if you've checked it out but it's amazing yeah. um And if anyone listening hasn't checked it out, they really should. Um, And it just, it kind of speaks to this idea kind of relating to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, but just how inspiring and how captivating and like these new technologies can be. You know, like I would, it seems like based on the great resistance video, that your access to like the ability to generate images that are so well tuned for your message and the tone and all the stuff you're trying to convey, really brings out more of your creativity really amplifies your ability to express you know these themes and these ideas in in your art and in your music and in your videos and so like it's 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 amazing that like that tool is just bringing more of it to the fore like giving you a greater capacity to to get it out there in the world um do you like do you feel that as you're engaging these tools and kind of poking around and seeing what's available like does it does it inspire you to uh, think of different things that you can do or different ways that you can express this stuff?
1: hundred percent. Like, I feel like so lucky to be born in this time so that I have <laughs> access to all these tools because when you have an idea, you kind of want to be loyal to that idea and bring it out as, as much as you have it in your head as possible into real life. And so with these tools, you can manipulate real life and, and create it to be as, similar to your original thoughts as possible. Whereas before using the AI, I have to go through and see, okay, what are the existing images? How can I manipulate that? It's a lot harder. And I use a lot of kind of overlay um, video video editing stuff, but it's still not quite what I'm looking for. And when I read my lyrics, I'm like, if only there was a a image that represents this. And even now I'm like, I wish there was a video AI so that I can imagine the video and have it come to life, Um, not just a, a still image. And so I think um, absolutely, it, absolutely, it has helped me unlock my creativity and and help my outcome be more loyal to the original ideas that I have in my mind.
0: Right. Yeah, I've seen a couple of video ones actually. Maybe they were just kind of examples and maybe they're not available to the public yet. But uh, if not, very shortly, like where you can just text based input what you're looking for and it'll generate a different types of video, I think like animated or even real life. And it, you know, the examples I saw were great and kind of spooky, but you know, this is, this is where we're headed. So those tools should be available to you soon. Um, what, what do your, um, like peers, friends, family and stuff. Think about, uh, the stuff you produce. And I'll, I'll I'll preface that by saying, like, I think a lot of us, uh, well, this is probably always the case where like, you know, you're, You're norm, you're, you're just you to all the people that you've grown up with and and know. So like, you know, people might, uh, think it's cool, but you don't get like the same kind of reactions as you might from, you know, your audience online or whatever. Uh, what do you, what do the people in your life think about, uh, this hobby of yours or this dedication to, uh, basically fostering a revolution through, uh, through art contributing to one at least
1: over time. Um, I like I, I was just reflecting on this as well, and I feel like my circle has definitely gotten a lot smaller. Um, I spend a lot of time with people who understand Bitcoin, just because I don't have the energy to kind of like, keep talking about and justifying myself. So I, I feel mm-hmm. like w- with family, um, they they don't fully get it, but they're supportive. And that's awesome. And, and I share my videos and they're like, cool, wow, nice and stuff. And that that's good. Um, but especially with groups of friends I definitely have like shrunk a lot of my friend group especially because um when you grow up you don't really keep in touch with with school friends and then you make a lot of work friends and then when you quit that work you lose a lot of your community um and so I've lost a lot of people um by moving into bitcoin because people just don't get it and I, I don't I don't have the time to, I don't, yeah, exactly. So I just rather create. And I mean, if you one day get it, I'd love to be your friend again, but I mean, I'm not going to, you know, spend my time and, and, and put my energy into, into relationships and friendships that I just can't, can't be bothered with. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I do feel like I am more isolated, but I don't feel bad about it because I love creating and I love creating with the people that appreciate it. Um, So yeah. I I've, I've shrunk in my friend group massively and I feel like that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think many of us can probably relate, especially, you know, perhaps exacerbated over the last two years, but it's also what makes it so, um, you know, when, when people do get together at conferences and stuff, what makes it so kind of magical? Cause now you're just surrounded by people who do get it, you know, and, and where you are aligned on so many things and who probably, very much appreciate and have consumed you know your work and then it's just like a a big giant you know like there's not enough time to to hang out with everybody because you know you just you just want to you know it's the connection is so easy or you're just like on the same wavelength and away you go was was miami yeah. your first conference or had you been to others prior to that
1: it was my first conference so um miami's my first one um, pacific bitcoin was my second one but um i think you're right as well in terms of like the bitcoiners actually we we organized the bitcoin meetup in new zealand um mid this year and we would never met um these kiwi bitcoiners before but we kept in touch in telegram and, and twitter and so seeing everyone in real life it was like whoa these guys are awesome like that <laughs> you do have new friends actually so yeah so, so the bitcoin friends absolutely like um you know we don't Meet up in physically, like physically often, but um, when we do, it's, it's awesome. And even making connections with Bitcoiners who are now, you know, based in Thailand, for example, it's like it provides that filter level of like, if they understand Bitcoin, like I'm your friend. And, and you know, if we're in the same country, <laughs> let's meet up. It's like it's that values aligned thing, like where it's like it's actually easier now to make friends because you've got that filter.
0: Yeah. I think um, there's an app. I don't know if it's out yet or not. If it's not, probably soon. I think it's called orange pill app. And I think that's kind of the point. Like it's a, a way for, you know, if you rock up in a city, if you're in Bangkok, if you're in New York or wherever, you know, you can just click and see what kind of Bitcoiners are around and, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Most likely or more likely to be aligned with them. And then you can, I don't know what the app provides, but presumably you can hook up and hang out and that stuff. Um, I want to read, you know, I'm going to ask you one last question, but I just, and your rap has a lot of great one-liners or your your content has a lot of great one-liners. But I think the um, the last one in the Great Resistance um, video was once we choose neutrality and truth as the pillars of value for our society, we reinstill hope and harmony in humanity and begin our journey towards an era of prosperity with Bitcoin. I mean, that's the shit that gives me the goosebumps. It's just so on point. And again, you marry it so well with all the different Visual and auditory stuff that really gives it an emotive, you know, packs uh, packs an emotive punch. But um, yeah, I just wanted to read that because it was awesome. But do you have any, you know, things you wanted to uh, discuss or, or or cover before we shut it down?
1: Um, no, it's just it's just so awesome to be able to sit down and and kind of share a little bit more, I guess, about um, my, my kind of. Go, go deeper, I guess, because I with, I feel like with the content, you're seeing a fragment of my mind or kind of like the tip of the iceberg, but with these opportunities to be able to sit down with you and talk for almost two hours it's kind of like if anyone is interested in kind of like where it all came from um these are the the opportunities and i'm just so grateful to be able to sit down and and have a chat with you and your amazing questions and going on these rabbit holes with you i I love it it's (laughs) such a pleasure thank you so much
0: (laughs) well it's it's my pleasure and, and thank you for for taking the time and We'll definitely have to do it again um because i'm sure there you know i'm looking forward to you said your videos another one's coming out tomorrow right
1: yeah yeah i, yeah. I feel like that one's more like um I, I quickly whipped up that one in like a week and a half because of the ftx thing um but i like so it is a little bit like shining a light on the old world which is something i want to do less of and focus more on the future but mm-hmm it's a fun one. It'll just be a fun one. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And I, I look forward to, to watching it, but yeah, I, I love this too. And um, whether it's a meat space or another one of these, we'll, we'll get back together in six months or so and, and see what's going on at that time.
1: Cool. Awesome. Thanks, John. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Take <laughs> nice. care. See ya. See ya.